today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. market-driven mentality that where to get, gimme, gimme, gimme. Life is about what you give, not about what you get. You're remembered for not for what you get, but what you give. And Timothy had a selfless attitude. He was ready to serve. He was ready to give. He was ready to do something for others. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. Modern culture implies to us that what we need to do is get as many things as we can get the money, get the cool things, get the fame. Pastor Ed tells us today that Timothy and Paul portray a very different example. They portray that instead of living to get things, we should live to give to others. We should live to serve. Jesus also portrayed this example throughout his life. So next time you get caught up in the rat race to get the next new thing, remember that you're remembered not for what you get, but for what you give. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, Timothy, an example of Christlikeness. real quiet. Paul was really expressive. Do you think they didn't have some clashes at times? No, they did. But Timothy knew that Paul was brought into his life so that his life could be shaped. And Paul was thankful because he found in Timothy someone who he can pour into. When we come into the family of God, God is wanting us to grow and serve and make a difference in the world that we live. We are here to serve the Lord. When we allow God to use people in our lives, we will be more and do more than we could ever be or do on on ourselves, by ourselves. Now, some people, they sit back and say, I don't want to learn. You know, I'm not willing to learn. I know it all. Ever have anybody in class like that? You know, they, they read it a little bit, maybe in the introduction of the book, and they think they know the book. You know? or, or they have a little bit of experience, and they blow it up to a lot of experience. God calls us disciples. To be a disciple means you are a learner. You're in this process of learning and studying and growing. And that's what was happening in Timothy's life. Who has God used in your life? Now, he may use some saint of God that's gone on the heaven. You may read a biography of a, of a Christian man or woman who loved the Lord and served the Lord. And as you read about their life, You're touched by their prayer life or their sacrifice or their service. Or you may read their teachings. You know, I have some great teachings by Andrew Murray, one of the great classical Christian writers. All sorts of godly men God raised up so that they would influence the church all through the generations. And that's what God wants to do for you and for me. Uh, Listen, God has people, somebody who will impact you indirectly 
They may not be here. They may be home in heaven. But read their writings, study their books, learn. They may be alive. I know one of the books that has impacted me greatly is Richard Foster's book. Never met Richard Foster personally. But spiritual disciplines has had an impact on my life. I've read that book I don't know how many times. And I'm planning next year to teach through that book again in one of the small groups. But there are those who God places in your life that are physically there. It may not just be a tape that you're listening to, a book that you're reading, a biography or a, or a movie that you've seen that deeply impacts you, but sometimes there are godly people that God just brings into your life and he uses them in your life. Now, sometimes they're there for a long time. Other times it's short seasons. And Sometimes one person brings one thing into your life and another person brings something else into your life. But in the whole process, God is molding and shaping and developing you. And see, Timothy became far more than he could ever be by himself. We would have never heard of Timothy had not he had a submissive spirit and allow Paul to speak into his life and shape him. Timothy would have been some man in history that none of us either knew or remembered. But because of his association with Paul, we have First and Second Timothy. We have him mentioned in the book of Acts and the other epistles as well. So God was using Timothy. He was using Timothy in Paul's life as well. Now, God is concerned about our relationships. He's concerned about friendships. He wants us to establish relationships and have an influence upon one another. Ambrose, one of the church fathers, wrote this about friendship. He said, describing friends, friends never cheat each other or take advantage or lie. Friends do not spy on one another, yet they have no secrets. Friends glory in each other's successes and are downcast by the failures. Friends minister to each other, nurse each other. Friends give to each other, worry about each other, stand always ready to help. Perfect friendship is rarely ever achieved, but at its heights, it is ecstasy. Be selective. On the people you allow to speak into your life, you got to run a race. You got to finish the course. You have to be all that God wants you to be. So ask God in prayer God, give me someone who will encourage me in my relationship with you. God, help me to be sensitive to what your spirit is doing so that, Lord, I can have that friendship where someone will help me to be and to do what you want me to be and to do. Don't think that just simply associations are always going to benefit you. Sometimes they won't. In fact, Paul the Apostle says, do not be misled. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Let me read that again. Do not be misled. What does that mean? Don't be misled. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. So prayerfully, 
Seek the relationships that you open your heart to. And then allow them to speak the truth in love to you and allow them to influence you so that you could become the person that God wants you to be. Here is Timothy. And Timothy has sort of caught the the spirit of the Apostle Paul, if I could say it that way. He's caught his attitude and outlook. In 1 Corinthians 14, 17, it reads, For this reason I'm sending to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of the way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. Timothy knew Paul, and he could handle situations the way Paul would and express situations the way Paul would. Our church, we're an assembly of God church, and so we have rangers and missionettes and other programs like that. Imagine someone coming in and saying, you know, I don't like the ranger program. I don't like the missionette program, and they're teaching in rangers and missionettes, and they said, I'm going to do something different. That doesn't make sense, does it? Does it? Now, if you're in a business, a corporation or a business, you reflect the mission of that corporation, the mission of that business. Uh, someone in the Bible study group says, listen, you know, I, I think we have too much Bible study in here. We need to have just more fellowship. So I'm just going to bring food, and for an hour and a half, two hours, we're just going to eat. Well, that's not what the Bible studies are for. You know, it might be nice to have a great time of fellowship, uh, depending on what type of food you're bringing. But, you know, (laughs) but you want to follow the mission, the purpose. There has to be a submissiveness. Timothy was a submissive servant. He was saying, I want to be influenced. I want to be shaped. Where did he learn this? He learned it from Paul. Paul considered himself a slave, a servant, a doulos. Where did Paul learn it from? He learned it from Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, 7 to 8, it says, But made himself nothing, speaking of Christ, taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Submission. Submitting to God, submitting to one another, submitting so that God can work in and through our life, through the spiritual leadership and through men and women of God that he puts in our path. But it doesn't stop there. It continues to go on. There was a selflessness about Timothy. Not only a submissiveness, but a selflessness. He was a selfless servant. In verse 20 and 21, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. What a commentary on those people in Rome and people that Paul was talking about. Because he was referring to other gospel ministers. He was referring to other preachers and teachers who were there. He says, they're all out for themselves. And Christ, well, he's not first for them. That's not so with Timothy. That's not so with Timothy. You know, we can become so self-centered. We live in a 
time where we have iPods and iPhones and iTunes, this I, 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 I. You know, we're, we're I-centered. Even our prayers to God can be self-centered when we're praying for others. This one young lady, unmarried young lady, she was praying. She said, oh, Lord, please bless my mother with a son-in-law. You know, our prayers sometimes can be just so self-centered. Ruth Calkin writes, I wonder, and she says this, you know, Lord, how I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. You know how I eagerly speak for you at the women's club. You know how I am expressive when I promote our fellowship group. You know how I'm enthusiastic at our Bible study. But how would I react, I wonder, if you pointed to a basin of water and asked me to wash the calloused feet of a bent and wrinkled old woman? day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew. Selflessness is a sign of maturity. We're moving away from selfishness to selflessness as we grow in Christ. We're moving away from the self-centered life to the Christ-centered life. That's what Paul is calling the church at Philippi 2. That's what he says Timothy does. Timothy goes into a situation and he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about others. He's not thinking about his own particular feelings, his own particular agenda, his own particular wants. He's thinking about the needs of others. In marriages and in churches and in businesses, we need to have that type of attitude. Unsaved people become slaves to themselves, to selfish desires, and so do Christians. So do Christians. Timothy was not cut from that cloth, he acquired a concern for others. I read about Eleanor Chestnut, a missionary in China many years ago. She was a doctor. And there in the hospital, a young man came in. He was a stranger to that community, and he needed a skin graft. And there was no one there to give skin, to donate it. And so the next day... When the other doctors came and the nurses came in, they saw the surgery had been performed. And this young man had the skin graft. And they noticed that the doctor was walking around with a limp. And they said, why did she do that? She didn't even know him. He was a door wide open to witness about Christ. And then during the Boxer Rebellion, as they were being led out into captivity. She saw a young boy on the side of the road. He was bleeding and wounded and hurt, and she went off to the side, and she bound those wounds, and she ministered to that young boy. And those soldiers grabbed her, put her back in the line, and in two hours they executed her. But for over 50 years, they never stopped talking about this woman that reflected the attitude of Jesus Christ. 
There needs to be a selflessness in our marriages, in our families, and in our church. I heard a preacher say that one day a visitor had come. John, don't take offense at this. This is not you, John. But a visitor had come to the church. And so the visitor was dressed. He was with his wife, and he came up to the pastor. And I guess the pastor was having a bad day that day. I don't know. But he came up to the pastor, and the visitor said, I'm just checking out your church. I want to see what you have to offer here. What type of programs you might have that I might be interested in. So the preacher was in a bad mood, I guess. So he said to him, well, let me ask you a question. He said, okay, pastor. He said, tell me, what do you have to offer this church? (laughs) Oftentimes, it's all about us. Instead of being about Jesus Christ, we have this market-driven mentality that where to get, gimme, gimme, gimme. Life is about what you give, not about what you get. You're remembered for not for what you get, but what you give. And Timothy had a selfless attitude. He was ready to serve. He was ready to give. He was ready to do something for others. And Paul can trust him. He could send him. In Philippians again, verses 2 to 5. I'm going to read just verses 3 to 5. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only on his own interest, but also on the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's yours in Christ Jesus. It's yours in Christ Jesus. You can think like Jesus. You can live like Jesus. You can act like Jesus. And God will bless that. Here's the pathway to be lifted up. Down. Down. Jesus came down from heaven, down from glory, down to earth, down to the cross, down to the very depths of hell. And God the Father lifted him up in the resurrection, up in the ascension, up in the exaltation. And he's given him a name that's above every name. For every Christian believer, for every follower of Jesus Christ, we must endeavor to follow in the footsteps of the Lord. Timothy knew what it was to be a servant, a servant. And the third, last point, he was a seasoned servant. Notice the text, verse 22. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Notice, he has proved himself. God, why the trial? I'm proving you, son. God, why the difficulty? I'm proving you, son. Go back in your mind to your journal 10 years ago or 15 years ago or five years ago. How did you respond to those trials? How did you respond to those tests? How did you respond to that situation? Is your response today, 5, 10, 15 years later, different than 5, 10, 15 years ago. See, that's what it means. God, 
proves you in the fire. He proves you in the test. He proves you in the affliction. And he proves you in those times where you say, God, I want to respond the way Jesus would respond. God, I want to walk the way Jesus walks. God, I want to deal with those old areas in my life. I don't want to be carrying them on. I don't want all of that baggage with me all through the spiritual journey. I want to walk in sanctification and holiness and godliness. That's where Timothy was at. He is walking with the Lord. Timothy is going to excel. Why? Because he's seasoned. Let me put it on pause. Stop for a moment. Our Sunday school teachers, our small group leaders, our ushers, our choir members, our workers in the church need to be proved. Men and women who have walked with God and weathered the storm. Timothy weathered the storm. Timothy was with Paul when people were forsaking him. Timothy was with Paul when people were saying God's left Paul. Timothy was there because he knew it was the right thing to do, and he weathered the storm. Demas forsook Paul, but Timothy remained steadfast. Character truly does matter in the Christian life. And we need to be men and women of character. And God builds it into our lives by our response. There, Paul is pouring into Timothy. And he's watching this young man go through some hard times and hard places. But Timothy is like a, an oak just growing. You know the saying, March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. We don't like all the wind in March, but March is necessary because the wind moves the, uh, the trees, the trunks of the trees and the limbs, and all the sap is able to go up and nourish the leaves and the buds on the trees. It, it, it's necessary. Some people like living in the aquarium. You know, you could take a shark, and that shark will only grow to the size of its environment. So you could have a shark that's maybe six inches and put it in a small aquarium. It'll stay six inches. It'll never grow. Take it in the ocean, it'll grow. Don't be content with living far below what you should be. No. Your family situation may be difficult. Your work situation may be difficult. The situation that you find yourselves in may be difficult. But God wants you to grow. He wants you to develop spiritually in him. And the way you do that is become a seasoned soldier in Jesus Christ. So that you can look back five years, ten years, fifteen years and say, you know, one time I would have lost my temper. But now, thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit is in control of my temper. Uh, You know, back then I would have given into temptation. I would have fallen. But now, thanks be to God. I'm walking with God and his word has strengthened me and I'm walking with him. Uh, Years ago, I would have been tempted to gossip. I would have told everybody about that situation. But, But now, I just take it to one, the Lord Jesus Christ. I just bring it to him. 
See, God's looking for us to grow, and He wants you to grow. He wants you to be all that He's intended you to be. We're so glad you've joined us again today for Building in Faith for Dr. Ed Jones' teachings from the book of Philippians. Even though Paul wrote this book while in prison, the joy of the Lord fills every word. Paul knew that his imprisonment was being used for God's glory and the spread of the gospel. When you take a look at the hardships in your own life, can you see how God is working them for your good and His glory? When you're walking through the hard times, soaking yourself in the words of this book can bring a new perspective and transform your thinking. Whatever season of life you're in, we aren't meant to do it alone. We encourage you to find a community of believers to journey with. This family of faith will be able to offer you the support you need in any situation you face. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area, we'd love to see you at Faith Assembly. Weekend services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday. And there's a Wednesday evening Bible study at 7 p.m. Find out more about Faith Assembly by visiting our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. You can also look us up on Facebook. Just search for Faith AG2. We'd also love to answer any questions you may have, so give us a call at 845-462-5955. Once again, that's 845-462-5955. That's all we have time for on today's edition. Join us again as we continue in Philippians next time on Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Your word restores.